recognize Nooksack High School and downtown Sumas as you were uh, as you were seeing those um, those uh, uh, pictures. Um, we're continuing on with a series of from the Gospel of John, walking with Jesus to the cross. Um, this week, a continuation of Jesus' tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacles discussion, um, good news for sheep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This I am this morning. In, in John's Gospel, it's centered around seven signs and seven I ams and four feasts. Um, so we're on the fifth of the signs, the second of the I am's, and the third of the feasts. You don't have to remember that. I have to keep it straight because I'm preaching the series. Um, but I would just encourage you to keep your, uh, your John poster handy. There's extras in the back just so you can keep up with where we are as we, uh, as we travel through the Gospel of John together. And as um, we've said, uh, walking to the cross with the, um, with the Good Shepherd. The text this morning from John chapter 10. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. But the man who enters by the gate is a shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. The sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, he leads them out, and when he's brought them all out, and when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So he switches from third person to first person just so they will understand. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am that gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep. He runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock, one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed. He's a raving maniac. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Referring back to uh, last week's text. Father, thank you one more time for an invitation to follow and learn from our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned in this series, um, in the other three Gospels, 
the time just before the Passion, the Holy Week and the cross, Jesus travels from Galilee up to Jerusalem. In John's Gospel, he's in Jerusalem for the feasts, one after another, um, and he never really leaves Jerusalem. So we could be left with, you know, getting to know Jerusalem really well. And next week, when we're back for the Feast of Dedication, we'll get to know Jerusalem a little bit better. Um, but today, Jesus in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles turns our attention to the Judean hills. Um, and so just to give you a little bit of background, this is a, a relief map, a physical relief map of Israel. Um, and it, it, it looks pretty clean. Um, and this is, this is my little advertisement here. Um, I'd love to take you from Mount Hermon in the north to Elat in the south and travel this with you. Um, it's, the, the privilege of getting to do that is so incredible. As what looks like kind of a flat country, when you actually get there, you realize that it's anything but flat. Um, and uh, a, a more uh, kind of accurate relief map might look something like this. And you can begin to see just how mountainous and hilly it is. And the red just next to the um, Dead Sea, just to the left of the Dead Sea, those are the Judean hills. Rough country where shepherds would bring their sheep. Um, this is a view looking north across the Judean hills from just south of uh, Jerusalem. You can see Jerusalem and, and, uh, and Bethlehem up in the distance. These are those Judean hills. Um, and as you read, I am the good shepherd, some of us are, are stuck on a scene like this um, with these lush green fields and those wonderful shady trees and maybe a brook running through it. Um, pastoral, uh, maybe more influenced by the cartoons I watched as a child. Some of you will recognize the uh, sheepdog and the, uh, and the wolf, um, or movies about talking pigs. And if you've been more influenced by those, um, you'll have that green pastoral scene. Um, uh, this is a shepherd leading his sheep through the, the, the Judean hills, a very typical picture. Um, I, I want you to have this in mind. Now, I know uh, it's not just, you know, the cartoon from the 70s and, um, and talking pigs that get our, our picture of the, the good shepherd and the sheep a little bit off. Um, Psalm 23 sometimes doesn't help. Right? You know, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, I'm not going to be in need of anything. He takes me out to those green pastures and he leads me beside those still waters. Right? Um, but if David were going to translate that for people not living in the Judean hills, but living in Anacortes, where we do have green grass, um, he might say something like, he leads me out where there is grass in the morning before the sun comes and, and, um, and burns it away, and where there's enough water that it pools up so the sheep can drink it from, uh, from quiet pools. Um, it would be a little bit different. And what I want you to think, even from Psalm 23, is that there is no difference between the sheep and shepherd relationship between those opening verses. He leads me beside, he takes me to green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters, and the verses that follow it, he leads me through the valley of the shadow of darkness, or the valley of deep darkness. Because even there, he is using his shepherd tools, his staff and his rod are the tools of the shepherd. 
He's just as much the good shepherd in the valley of deepest darkness as he is when he's taking us to where there will be grass in the morning enough to keep us sustained, um, a pasture for the day. Um, uh, th this is what the pasture would look like. And this is what the sheepfold would look like with those hills in, in the background. And the shepherd himself being the gate to keep the sheep in and the animals, the, the, the wolves out during the night. And I just, uh, this is that valley I'm thinking of as the shepherd is walking with his sheep through those uh, Judean hills. Um, I hope that gives you a, a little bit of uh, maybe a, a different perspective on the good shepherd and where he is actually taking his sheep. Um, John's gospel calls this a figure of speech and not a parable. Um, and uh, this is one of John's favorite words for descriptions of Jesus teaching a, a figure of speech, like the spirit is like the wind and Jesus is the good shepherd. Um, and uh, it, it's confusing. So Jesus has to change in the text from the, first, the third person, there is this good shepherd who takes care of a sheep, to I am the good shepherd. And it's at that point, that the, the, uh, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders who are listening, really understand what's going on. Second, I just want to say one more time that these I am passages uh, really are, are packed into these next few chapters in the Gospel of John. As Jesus reveals his messianic character, what kind of Messiah is he going to be? As Jesus shows what authentic faith is, what does it mean to follow him? And Jesus shows what it means to walk in the light. Um, uh, now it is, what, it mean, what does it mean to live as one of his sheep? And um, in the text, it's pretty easy to identify the good shepherd. There's a clue in the text. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I mean, that, that's an easy identification to make. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to identify who the thieves and robbers are. And in the history of, um, of uh the, the, the church, there have been different ideas. Early on, people were focusing on the thief as Satan. I, I really think the thief are the Jewish leaders that Jesus is talking to as this, as this conversation continues from um, uh, the blind man conversation. Uh, who are the hirelings, the hired hands in the text? And who are the thieves, I mean, who are the wolves that come in to, um, to destroy? As we, as we go through this morning, um, Wednesday night, where... I will be um, zooming in from Ruthanna's office in Palm Desert. And, uh, and next Sunday, we actually, the, the, the Good Shepherd um, theme ends in the end of chapter 10. Uh, we'll be answering these questions as we go on. But I, just, I want you to have in your mind, what exactly, who are these thieves and robbers he's talking about? Um, the thieves are the kleptes, those who, who steal by deception. And the robbers are the lecetes, those are who, who steal through violence and, uh, and threats. And, uh, and finally, Jesus assumes that his listeners have a really good understanding of the history of shepherds and God's people. In my notes, I, I list about 15 passages in the Old Testament um, where, uh, where shepherds, both good like David and bad like the kings of Israel, are, are described in the text. And I, I want to just read just a, a little bit from, my, from Ezekiel 34 so you get a sense of how God, through the prophets, has addressed this question of shepherds. 
So Ezekiel 34, towards the end of Ezekiel's prophecy, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds who only take care of themselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? And for the next 10 verses, um, uh, God tells Ezekiel all the things the shepherds are doing to, uh, to fleece the flock, not to care for the flock, including um, butchering them and eating them. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty violent uh, um, text. Verse 10, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against those shepherds, and I will hold them accountable. I will remove them from tending the flock so the shepherds can no longer feed themselves, and I will rescue my flock. And how is God going to rescue his flock? The end of this text goes this way. I will place over them one more shepherd, my servant David. He's writing 500 years after David's death, so it's got to be a different David. I will place over them my servant David, and he will tend them, and he will be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be my God, and my servant David will be, the, will be prince among them, for I have spoken. In the Old Testament, there was a promise to God's people that the shepherd of Israel, as Psalm 80 begins, was going to send his shepherd to care for his people. And when Jesus introduces himself as the good shepherd, everyone who knew their Old Testament well knew exactly what Jesus was saying. He was the good shepherd like David, and he was coming to replace the bad shepherds who were abusing God's people. And um, that's why this text begins addressing not the sheep, but this text begins addressing those bad shepherds, those thieves, robbers, those bad under-shepherds, those hirelings, those strangers. And those are all the words used in the text to describe them. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief, cupthes, and a robber, elestes. Um, that man enters... Um, the man that enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Who are those people? Who are those thieves and robbers? They're the ones who rejected God's rulership over his people and God's word for his people and placed themselves in. And we know they are um, thieves and robbers two early ways in this text. Number one, they don't come in by the gate. Why do they skip the gate? Because the shepherd is there. The shepherd is the gate. And, and as you see, the, the, that sheepfold in the, in the picture, the shepherd would sit at the gate, would sleep at, the, at that opening and be the gate um, for his sheep. And those shepherds, I mean, those thieves and robbers, are not going to engage with Jesus. They're not going to acknowledge Jesus. In fact, the whole job of the Pharisees from chapter 6 to chapter 18 of the Gospel of John is to discredit Jesus and to get rid of, get rid of him. Um, they want nothing to do with Jesus. They're going to avoid Jesus at all costs. Um, that's how we know they're bad shepherds. And the second way we know is that the sheep don't recognize them. There is something about these thieves and robbers that, that the sheep should, rec should immediately acknowledge. Um, now, in the text, it's they don't recognize the voice. Uh, we, we don't um, recognize thieve, uh, uh, thieves and robbers in the 21st century by their voices, um, at least not usually. 
uh, I've watched enough Perry Mason and that's not usually the way they catch the bad guy. Um, uh, how do we identify thieves and robbers in the 21st century? Oh, who said that? <laughs> Absolutely. We're still listening, but now it's by what they say. And, um, and Jesus is going to, for the, for the rest of this, this, uh, this chapter, and in fact, the rest of, uh, of, of John's gospel, um, distinguish between those who say what the Father has said, Jesus, and those who don't. Um, so there's going to be a test. Do these under-shepherds, hirelings, Jesus calls them in the next paragraph, do these hired hands say the same thing the shepherd has said? And if they don't, don't listen to them. Um, we should be able to recognize them. Um, then he uses the word hirelings. I'm the good shepherd in verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. When the hired hand sees the um, uh, wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. I spent some time fishing in Alaska. There is a very easy way to know when you're looking at a fishing boat whether the captain of that fishing boat owns the boat or whether that my mom is laughing <laughs> she knows the answer to this question or, or whether the captain of that fishing boat is just a hireling who is renting the boat from the cannery there is a really easy way to know that is <laughs> somebody else knows too whether that how nice the boat is if it's his own boat he is going to take care of it um and uh I can attest to the fact that uh, my grandfather owned the boat I worked on most summers in Alaska, and I have personally sanded and scraped every square inch of that boat, and uh, my father has done the same thing, and uh, family after me did the same thing on that boat. I can attest to the fact that uh, you can eat off the bilge in, in the engine room of that boat. Um, there, you can tell right away whether the person is a hireling or not. I was listening to Rosario Butterfield, uh, Rosario Butterfield this week, and um, she, has, she has just written a pretty controversial book called The Five Lies of the Anti-Christian Age. I think that's the name of the book. Um, and uh, she was saying because she takes on um, the, these contemporary uh, lies so powerfully in the book that there are a couple of Christian parachurch organizations that gave the book really bad reviews. And the reason is, and, and I want to, I, I don't want to, if, if you support parachurch organizations that are really good, wonderful, we, uh, we, we need them. Um, but the people who run parachurch organizations are not elders in a church, at least not of the parachurch organization. They are essentially hireling whose job is not to give their life for that organization. Um, that's different than a shepherd. Um, and uh, this, this is a really interesting distinction Jesus makes between the shepherd who owns the flock, who, who identifies with the flock, and the hireling who's only there for the paycheck. Um, and you know the difference by whether the boat looks nice or by whether when the wolf comes, when the lies show up, the hirelings don't take on the world. Um, 
I just I, I offer that as a uh, as maybe a way to evaluate some of our parachurch organizations um, as uh, as we get uh, into this really really strange theological world in which we live today. A warning for thieves, for hired hands, and for those strangers in the text that the sheep recognize immediately as not the right voice. Um, and a, uh, a well-trained flock ought to recognize that right away. Well, what does Jesus have to say for the sheep? I, I titled this Good News for the Sheep, and next week the title of the sermon is going to be Even More Good News for the Sheep. So just uh, you get ready, we'll have even more good news next, next week. Um, number one, these sheep are, are, are known. My, uh, my Hebrew professor was a farmer as well. He had a little hobby farm in, uh, in, the, uh, in the Portland area, and he had sheep and goats. And he would often tell stories about his sheep. And, and one of the stories he told is that he, he had a goat that was a little bit sick, and he was leaving, and he needed somebody to watch the goat. So he called up one of his good friends and said, can you take care of my goat while I'm gone? And the man says, I'm just so busy, I can't take care of my, your goat. And, and, uh, and Dr. Allen says, but my goat is, gives a name. And the guy goes, well, why didn't you tell me that's who the goat was? Of course I'll watch. As soon as the, goat have, the, the goats have names, as soon as the sheep have, as soon as the sheep are known, there is a different relationship with the, with the shepherd. Uh, there was a George Fox, um, some George Fox students on the video. When my girls were at George Fox, the catchphrase for George Fox University was on all their posters, on all their um, billboards and videos, was be known. Um, the promise was, if you come to George Fox, somebody will take the time to learn who you are and care for you. It, that, just be known is it, just two words. And it was everywhere, and it was effective. As a, as a tagline for George Fox University. Um, none of the people in that video were in school with my daughter, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't know any of those people. Um, and not just the shepherd, the sheep are known, but the shepherd is known as well. And, and it's just a, a blessing for the sheep to be known and to know. Secondly, uh, the second blessing here for the sheep, the good news is that these sheep know that the shepherd has their best interest in mind. If you're following a shepherd through the Judean hills, you might walk past some pretty scary spots. And you have to be confident that the good shepherd has our best interest in mind. And this is one of those places where we read a passage like John 10, and we read a psalm like Psalm 23 together. Because that good shepherd is going to lead his sheep through the valley of deepest darkness. Because he has the sheep's the sheep, that plural, the sheep's best interest in mind. Okay, somebody's an English major has to tell me at the end of this. Mary Beth, you need to correct my English if I'm, if I'm off there. The third really interesting thing about sheep and shepherds here is, is, the, is Jesus' statement about the good shepherd and the other sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. So as Jesus is talking with 
the uh, his followers as the Jewish leaders are in the background as the uh, the context of the Feast of Tabernacles there in Jerusalem is is uh, is in the background and Jesus says there are other sheep who I'm going to bring into this flock who's he talking about okay um, uh, and that would be me us <laughs> okay BJ is going to expand it from yes the, the non Jews BJ I said me BJ says us uh, I'll go with BJ on this one it, it's us we are those other sheep who get included in the flock now there are other pictures of this um, people from every tongue and tribe and nation in Revelation um, uh, branches being grafted together in in uh, Romans 9 and 10 and 11 um, to the two becoming one in Ephesians chapter 2 there's all kinds of pictures in the New Testament but sheep coming into one flock is one of the most beautiful because um, farm animals uh, are not known as always the most receiving of new people it, you know if you, if you think about adding a new chicken to a chicken coop um, <laughs> you got to be careful um, bringing a new sheep into the flock you got it and, and and so Jesus is taking a picture um, uh, bringing a new athlete onto a uh, uh, athletic team um, these are the kind of pictures that I that I have in mind about the difficulty of adding somebody to an existing flock and what Jesus is saying is um, those people who come into the who come in just be ready there's gonna be people that come in and they might speak a different language and they might have a little bit of a different culture and there's gonna be all kinds of changes they might play a different offense and, uh, and have different styles they might uh, have a different pecking order in their old flock uh, but when they come together there's only going to be one flock we don't have the option of inviting somebody in and saying oh but we don't want you to be part of the flock um, because the shepherd brings them in uh, for me this is a this is a, a powerful powerful um, statement about uh, how, how important it is to bring people to, to uh, assimilate to integrate people really well in in the in the church um, one shepherd means there can only be one flock um, and finally these, she these sheep learn um, that uh, this shepherd is going to be different from any shepherd they've met before this shepherd is going to be willing to lay down his life and what Jesus begins to do here is uh, is hint at his own death and resurrection and the reason I can say with uh, with pretty good confidence that John chapters 9 and 10 are Jesus hinge text or John's hinge text in his in his gospel where he sets his eyes on Jerusalem is that this is where Jesus begins to hint more and more strongly about his own death and resurrection this shepherd lays down his own life and this shepherd can take it up again and uh, and it's at this point that um, that the the sheep begin to understand that this is going to be a, a different kind of shepherd Part two, next week. But, but I want to end with the three questions that we have been asking about John's Gospel. Um, question number one, what is Jesus revealing about his messianic character? Question number two, what is he saying about faith? And question three, what is he saying about following Jesus? So just th those three questions as we end. And uh, for me, the, the first question becomes, I, I, um, 
really important. Uh, what is Jesus revealing? He's revealing that this Messiah um, is going to require us to read the Old Testament much differently. Because there were very, very few people in the first century who had read the Old Testament expecting the Messiah, the king like David, the priest like Melchizedek, to die before bringing in his kingdom. And Jesus is beginning to, to explain that he is going to be a Messiah that requires us to read the Old Testament through the lens of his death on the cross. And whether we're talking about Psalm 110 um, and, and Jesus and, and that person on the cross, or Isaiah 53, where at like a sheep um, being led to slaughter, or Genesis 22, where God provides the lamb who is going, the, the, the ram who is going to be sacrificed. We are going to read the Old Testament with these new eyes, because this was going to be Messiah who would die and um, come back to life again. Jesus is beginning to teach his disciples, to teach us, um, uh, that, that he's going to be a different kind of Messiah. What is Jesus teaching about belief in this text? Um, we, are, we are now beginning, um, as, especially as that, uh, as that tension, that conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees grows over the next few uh, chapters, next few sermons, next few feasts that we, uh, we follow uh, Jesus to, um, uh, we're, we're going to see that one of, the, one of the reasons that the Jewish leaders, one of the reasons that some of his disciples, some of the reasons that the crowd have problems with what Jesus says, is that he is now saying he is not just the good shepherd, but that he is the gate, the only gate. I am the gate. Anyone enters through me will be saved. And we're beginning to build our, our New Testament, our Jesus vocabulary of the uniqueness of Jesus to be the shepherd who brings salvation. Um, and it, it got Jesus into trouble in the first century. It will give us, it will make us sound a little intolerant in the 21st century. But this is simply the, the message of the New Testament. That there is a good shepherd who's going to be the savior of his sheep and if you miss this good shepherd, there's only thieves and robbers left. That's the message of, of the New Testament. And, and third, um, what about that walking with Jesus part of this text? Um, this was a, a number of years ago. Uh, Lori and I were at a quilt shop on the south end of Whidbey Island, a fabric shop on the south end. Oh, you are upstairs. Okay. I got to be careful. Um, and um, she told me to be quiet. Because I was on the phone. I was on the phone. <laughs> she, she remembers now. I embarrassed her terribly. I was on the phone with, um, with somebody who wanted to lead a ministry um, in, in Anacortes. And, and I asked the question, um, well, of what church you're a part. Who are the, the people who, who are going to hold you accountable if you're going to lead this ministry? 
And, uh, and this person responded, uh, I don't need to be a part of any church. I don't need an elder. And I said, then I can't support you in leading this Christian ministry in, in our town. And this person got very, very upset with me. And, and I went into my loud voice response on the phone. And Lori had to tell me in the middle of this quilt shop, as I'm sitting in the husband chair in this quilt shop, be quiet, be quiet. Um, <laughs> keep it. I, I just, I, th that scene just um, comes back to me because it, it illustrated for me that people in the 21st century, um, sheep in the 21st century, don't want a shepherd. There is one particular text, I think, in, in the rest of the New Testament that, that drives this home for me, and that is 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter is addressing the elders of the church. And he says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Um, that... Um, Being a sheep has been designed by God to work best when we are part of the flock and his under-shepherds are doing a good job. And this is a huge challenge to sheep everywhere and to under-shepherds everywhere. They said, we're going to continue this Wednesday night and then next week even more. Good, new, good news for God's sheep. Father, thank you this morning for um, one more opportunity to, um, for, for Jesus to reveal who he is and what he came to do. And Father, this morning, um, I just ask that we would, uh, we would know our shepherd and recognize his voice even more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Come now, out. Come now, oh.